Welcome and thank you for joining us today for our podcast, A View from Meadows Collier. I'm Joel Crouch, partner at the firm, and joining me today is Kristen Cox, my colleague here at the firm. Kristen practices in the area of corporate and real estate. Her corporate practice focuses on private company mergers and acquisition transactions, representing both the buyer and seller. She's been with the firm for 15, has it really been 15 years? Yeah, I think. Sits down here February 1st, 2008. 2008. Yeah, yeah, it's gone by really fast. (laughs) And has been a partner here (laughs) since 2021, right? Yes, 2021. Okay. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, but let's start. Born and raised in Dallas, this area? Yeah, so born in Dallas, grew up in Plano Richardson area. Where'd you go to high school? Plano East. Okay. Okay, she's a panther. Yeah, lived in Richardson, but went to school in Plano because it was that northern area of Richardson. Okay, so here here's my here's my question to you. So I'm gonna make you yet. So I want to I want you to tell people how you funded. First of all, where'd you go to college? So I went to Baylor University. Okay, and what did you? What was your degree from Baylor? Um, economics okay. and a minor in Spanish, but I cannot speak it very well anymore. <laughs> And you need to tell people how you funded yes. your, your college education. So, yeah, my first year, I was actually able to fund myself. I was on the Jeopardy team tournament my senior year of high school, and I came in third overall. So that was enough to pay my first year of college. And then, of course, I had help from my parents for the rest. So how, how many episodes of Jeopardy did you tape? I taped, I think it was four. We had a, actually, it may have been... It was either four or five. Um, we taped the initial week in LA at their studios. And then it was a really cool experience because the semifinals and finals, um, they filmed in DC. It was the first year they had their traveling set. And so um, we filmed at Constitution Hall and they had all sorts of fun activities. We got um, tour of all the monuments. We got to go to the White House. Um, we did not meet the president, but got to at least see the White House. It was a good experience. So, how old were you when you did this? I was seventeen. Were you? Was it before your senior year? Um, high it was school? the fall of my senior year. That I, and then I think I was eighteen by the time we filmed the finals because we filmed the first week in the fall, and then I think it was February or so that we went and filmed the semifinals and finals. And how did you, how is it that you got on this? (laughs) Okay. So this is really going to date me. They did not have online applications like they do now. Um, Every year I watched Jeopardy all the time. And at some point during the year, they would air an address um, at the end of one of their episodes. And you would send in postcards with your name and contact information. Um, and I started sending them in, I think, I think eighth grade was the first year I was eligible to send them in and I was sending one a year and nothing ever happened. And so before my senior year, I sent in like 25 and they finally drew my name, but then that's not it. Then you have to travel to where they're having auditions. And so, um, my dad and I went to, I think it was Kansas city, uh, to, so I could take the written test. And then if you pass the written test, then they do practice rounds with the buzzers and practice questions. And after that, um, then you just wait a while. And I was actually surprised by one of the local news stations in my English class, um, my senior year that I had been chosen for the show. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's how you found out? Yeah. They, 
all of a sudden a camera crew walked into my English class and uh, one of the reporters uh, told me I'd been selected for Jeopardy. Wow. And how many, how many people were in the, the teen challenge? Um, so it was like 15. Okay. And then three of us made it to the finals okay. and I was third in the finals. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it was still enough to pay for part of college. There you go. So you went to Baylor. What, when you went to, did you always want to be a lawyer? Since eighth grade. Why? Why since well, it's in so, particular? Um, eighth grade in school, we had mock trial. And then in our English class, we read a book and got to also do, you know, a mock trial, which is funny because I'm not a litigator now, but back then I thought I wanted to be. And um, through my clerkship, uh, yeah, I thought I'd wanted to be. So, <laughs> so you went to Baylor. Mm-hmm. What was, was there any idea what kind of law you wanted to practice? Um, so Baylor undergrad and then you. Oh, that's right. You went to UT yeah. Law. What am I thinking? Okay. I'm back. Yeah. So you went to Baylor, that's okay. mm-hmm. but you went to Baylor where, and was it your, so your intention on leaving Baylor when you first went in, you were going to go to law school. Yes, exactly. Okay. So yeah, college was just on my way to law school and, um, applied, got into UT. When I got into UT, I still thought I wanted to be a litigator. It was only after, <laughs> After college, I changed, or after law school, I changed my mind. Okay, so you went to you went to um, UT Law School, graduated from there. You were you were on the managing editor of the American Journal of Criminal Law. Yes. How did you get that? Um, I and knew by the way, I wanted oh, to back up. Yeah, Phi Beta Kappa from Baylor and Magnum Cum Laude. Yes, man. <laughs> It's important we hire people smarter than me, and you're a clear <laughs> example of that right there. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, for the Journal of Criminal Law, I knew I wanted to do a journal, and I liked my criminal law uh, class first year. So I figured if I was going to work on a journal, at least, you know, let me do something that I find really interesting, even though I didn't really have an intent on practicing in the criminal area. And so I just um, did the write-on for the Criminal Law Journal and was selected. And You're a managing editor and chief articles editor. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my last year I was the managing editor. And did you work with a, um, one of, any of the professors there? Were they part of that? It was mainly, oh, sorry. It was mainly student run. I'm trying to, honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> okay, that's all right. I can't remember. That's fine. So you came out of UT Law. Mm-hmm. What, and and so, I try. What what did you think you were going to practice in at that point when you came out of law school? Um, I still at that point thought I was going to do litigation. Um, I had a clerkship with a federal judge, and it was actually during the course of my clerkship that we had all of these a lot, a lot of contract disputes, and they were interesting to me and also frustrating at the same time seeing that you know these companies entering into agreements and the language isn't clear enough for them to be able to proceed under the agreements and now you know they're suing each other and I just became you know interested in the more transactional side and getting things right on the front end rather than litigating problems that, you know, other people have created on the back end. Okay, so you did your, you did a clerkship with, um, with Judge Boyle. Judge in Boyle. District. Yeah. So how did that come about? Um, she had, 
she has um, a position. I was in a unique position. So a lot of judges have clerks that just split the docket odd and even. Um, Judge Boyle at the time, I'm not sure if she still does, has had three positions where you had the odd clerk, the even clerk, and then what's called a special projects clerk. And the special projects clerk um, a lot of the time would get the longer, more involved cases that may take up too much time for the other clerks who have so many cases on their plate. So uh, a lot of the more complex cases. And so at the time, I think her prior special projects clerk was moving. And so when I happened to be, you know, looking for a job um, out of law school, she had a need and I applied and interviewed and it just seemed like a really good fit. So what, I went to work with her. Well, she, she's, she's now a federal judge, right? She's a U.S. District Court judge. Yeah, and she was a district court judge at the time. She was, I yeah, okay. Yeah, she yep. started, though, I believe as a magistrate. She was. That's what I was asking. I yeah. can't remember if you were with her, but you were with her when she was a judge, not the magistrate. Yeah, when she was the okay. district judge. Okay, yeah. and she still is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but how long did you do that? Um, I did that for two years. and then That's not just a clerkship, that's a job. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Because, yeah, the odd clerk and the even clerk um, are more one-year positions a lot of the time, but special projects because it's, you know, a more, um, it's a position where the cases are more involved and you kind of need that knowledge that's not going to turn over, you know, every year. It's just a longer position. Did you ever think about staying longer or was it just a two-year job? Um, It was originally going to be a two-year job. And so, you know, I started looking in anticipation of it coming to an end. And, and, and then you came came and joined us here. Yep, exactly. Did I came you, here straight from my clerkship. Yeah, I can't remember how that happened. I don't remember how that connection was made. Um, at the time, y'all were looking for a brand new, you know, corporate attorney, not a lateral. And so that was the perfect opportunity for me who had previously <laughs> been litigation oriented to switch, switch my focus. Okay. So, and then you so started, yeah, it was Charles and David Reed. I think I was about to say. looking for help. Okay. And so when you started, you started working with Charles and David. Yeah. And okay. I guess I should say Charles Pullman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charles Pullman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we have too many Charles, right. Charles and Chuck. Or, okay. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to remember now, how long were you here before David Reed passed away? Um, let's see, about almost five years. Okay. Was that? Yeah, I can't like, remember. He passed away the end of 2013. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I, that was, I was thinking, man, okay. <laughs> I was thinking it was like right after you started. That may have been Alex right after. Yeah, it was right after Alex. Started. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you started practicing with David. So. Mm-hmm. How was it practicing with David? David, though, I always liked David. David was a fun guy to work for. Yeah, he, he was a fun guy to work for. You know, he was a great teacher. Especially, I learned so much from him on all the, you know, M&A stuff that has become the bulk of my practice. Yeah. And is that, I mean, do you, is that really what you do these days is mostly M&A work? A lot of what I do is M&A work. Um, also helping with just, you know, reorganizations, when, you know, the estate planners need help or there's other, you know, tax planning needs of a business. Um, I still have, you know, lots of clients were just forming and, you know, figuring out the best structure for their business getting started. Um, 
a lot of my my, my per no you talk as much as you want to <laughs> my impression is that that you do a lot with the estate planners when they're as part of their estate plan they're setting up entities and things like that right right exactly and um especially when you know their clients have established family businesses there's a lot to do okay so how has the practice of law changed since you first started practicing a lot less paper <laughs> since <laughs> I first started practicing. Um, yeah, I used to have, you know, red wells upon red wells upon red wells for everything. And now so much is, you know, just electronic. And so now I have all my, you know, folders and subfolders on various drives instead of physical paper files in my office. Are most contracts, can you, people sign them electronically now? Um Either, yeah, either DocuSign or, you know, just signing the PDF with their digital sing signature. A lot of the time people will do that. I still have some clients that like me to, you know, create original closing binders for them with uh, wet signatures. But most of the time, you know, people just want PDF copies of everything when they're done. <laughs> so. so what is your favorite thing about practicing law? Um. Just helping the clients, especially um, through M&A, I'm on the sell side the vast majority of the time. And so my clients are families that you know, have built this business you know, for many years or even you know, across several generations. And you know, at some point, you know, they get a fantastic offer or they're just ready for an exit and it's helping them, you know, maximize the value of what they've built and enjoy, you know, the, the next step beyond the business. Okay. What's your least favorite thing about practicing law? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> you mean you enjoy everything associated with it? Not, not everything. <laughs> I'm trying to think what my least favorite thing. Should have given you a heads up on this. Right. Um, well, let me give you some examples of things I've heard so far. Sure. Keeping time. Yes. Okay. That would be <laughs> that would be number one. If, if we could just, yeah, do work without having to keep time. But yeah, that's that's that's, that's problematic if you don't keep your time. Yeah, so. it's true. Also, so okay. So by any measure, I would think everybody would say you've been a success, very successful lawyer so far. Your career has been wonderful. Thank you. So what do you, what do you attribute your success to? I would say great mentors. Um, Charles Pullman and David Reed were just fabulous teachers when I came in as a brand new lawyer. Um, you know, they both, you know, really cared that um, I learned and, you know, understood the concepts and wanted me to take on, you know, responsibility early on with, drafting and um i think being able to do that starting at the very beginning of my career you know there's plenty of research you know too that went along with it but just being able to participate you know in all of the stages of the transactions and not just you know being delegated certain tasks you know that they needed done but not being able to you know see the big picture oh yeah so so yeah definitely Definite credit to my mentors over time. So, what, uh, okay, so what advice would you give to a young lawyer or somebody just starting out? There's, <laughs> there are so many um, different things. Just always, you know, be willing to learn, um, 
be open to constructive criticism, you know, always look for a way to improve. Don't become, you know, complacent in, in your work. Okay. I think that's, I think that's good advice. Okay. Here's my final question for you. Okay. How much of your success can be attributed to luck and how much to skill and hard work? I would say the vast majority is skill and hard work, although the timing of y'all needing a brand new attorney, which was the turning point of my career, I would say the timing was luck there. But then from that point on, I'd say skill and hard work. (laughs) So, Kristen, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you being here and being willing to do this. Thank you. Hope you didn't find it too terrible to have to do it. Oh, no, it was fine. <laughs> so this concludes our conversation with Kristen Cox. We hope that you'll join us uh, for more firm podcasts. A new podcast will air each Monday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also receive the latest episode in your inbox by subscribing at podcast.meadowscollier.com. The firm also offers free monthly webinars on the first Tuesday of each month and blogs that you can subscribe to from the firm's website. Learn more about Meadows Collier at meadowscollier.com. Thank you for listening.